this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And speaking of our Dig Me Out Union, Jay, we've got one of our, our union members here this week joining us to discuss an album. What we do here, we talk about albums from the 90s. I'm in the right place then. You are. You showed up at the right... This is the right room. You never know now. You join these virtual meetings and you sometimes forget why you're there. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All the way from Melbourne in Australia, it's the future there. It's Monday. We're Sunday. Welcoming back Jason Pan. Hi, Jason. How you doing? I'll uh, roll into the cliche and say g'day. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. You don't have to. You don't have to just fulfill the audience expectation of, of <laughs> using, uh, you know, slang that they're familiar with. You can, you can keep it real here. <laughs> oh, you've got Australian on every second week, so we've got it's to. It's true. Uh, you know. It's true. Keep the accent known. <laughs> Oh, you don't really have an accent. You're just doing it for the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to roll. You lean into it. <laughs> nice. Um, so tell everyone for this episode. They'll rem- they'll remember you. You were on two years ago for our Manson six episode, our second Manson episode. We also reviewed Attack of the Grey Lantern uh, before that, but you're previously on for that. So tell everyone what your pick is for this episode. Look, really, I felt like I um I put a bit of onus on you two fellas in the first two choices with six and uh, uh, Deus's ideal crash last year. Yep. So I was really looking, I guess, for something a bit more immediate, and pro- probably under an hour would be nice too. So <laughs> you know, casting around and and kind of thinking. Uh, you know, bringing it back home to Australia, kind of thinking you, you've you've done, uh, you know, most of the Australian festival scene, and the from the headliners way back to the way down to the uh, afternoon slots, um, and I remembered this band called Pollyanna, and um, as a fifteen-year-old, I remember really liking uh, Brittle Then Broken on Triple J which is on the album I've suggested, Hello, Halo. So looking forward to seeing what you guys feel like, feel about it. Yeah, and this was another one. Jay and I, I oh, I'm speaking for Jay, but I was not familiar with it. Jay, I'm sure you were not as well, unless you were randomly I was in, hip to what? this. I was, I was in the fan club. Oh, you were? Uh-huh. But it is a very 90s band's band, band name, I will say that. Yes. Isn't it? Let's get it. You know, there's some interesting... Um, Stuff in the history of this band. History of the band. Um, so they were from Australia, Sydney, actually, New South Wales. And they formed in 1993. Originally, they were called Blue Trike. Oh. Yeah. So okay. Matt Hanley on lead vocals. <laughs> really? Shop. Sharp inhale of breath there. Yeah. <laughs> now, 
the for on bass and vocals is it Mary Key Mary Kay? You know how to pronounce her name? You just say I think it's just Reiki. Reiki. Okay, yeah. so it's Reiki Stapleton, who looks a lot like Tabitha Soren. If you watch the video for Brittle Not Broken or Brittle Then Broken, I thought it was Tabitha Soren, circa nineteen ninety five. That was in the uh, in the video, but it's not. Tabitha Soren. Oh my God, I'm a. <laughs> You're, I know that name, but I'm not. That, that is something okay. I'm going to have to Google to team up. Um. I'm telling you, watch that video and then Google a picture of Tabitha Soren from the 90s and you will be shocked at how much they look oh, alike. Oh, from, from MTV. From MTV, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, they, so they formed um, in 1993. They changed their name after about 13 gigs to, to what they were, which is or what they are, which is Pollyanna. So the original lineup was Serge, Serge Luca on drums and vocals, Matt Hanley, like I said, on lead vocals and lead guitar, and Rake Stapleton on bass guitar and vocals. So also in the band was Andrea Croft, who was on guitar and vocals, but she left before they did any recording. Now, here's the interesting thing. And Croft and Hanley were in a band called Catherine Wheel. Not the Catherine Wheel you probably know. This was a different Catherine Wheel. Huh. And they had put out a, an a EP called Self Portraits. And she was previously in a band called The Honeys, who were from Perth. Anybody from Columbus knows that there was a band called The Honeys in the early 2000s. And that was in the late 80s. So it's interesting because that Catherine Wheel actually put out a recording before... The UK Catherine Wheel. Is that why the UK band uses the? Maybe? Possibly. I don't know. They use the Catherine Wheel on all their album. Uh, yeah. Art. They recorded a um, EP, Ford Green Silver Rocket. It was released in October 94 on Mushroom Records. Um, their imprint, Bark, was the one that released it. And um, the band... Let's see. Between 1996 and 2000, released five albums. Um, well, four albums. The first album, Long Player, came out in 1996. And then there was a, another release called Long Player slash Junior Rock. Junior Rock was an EP, so it was pack packaged with an EP, I guess, and, yeah. and re-released. So... Hello Halo came out in 1997, the following year. Delta City Skies came out in 1999, and then Didn't Feel a Thing came out in 2000. They also had a bunch of singles, and I guess Junior Rock was an EP, or not an EP, it was an EP, but it was also a compilation. Yeah, it's a compilation of their first two EPs. Okay, that makes sense then. So they, they compiled the two EPs into that, and then they also added it to the the double CD. Um. And then they f were active until about 2002. And then that is when the band uh, broke up. Um, and then Matt Hanley released a solo album in 2005. Interesting note, he has worked as a guitar technician for The Living End and Tame Impala. Tame Impala being one of the biggest bands, like indie bands in the world at the moment. Yeah, and certainly I think that's where he probably ended up 
the end of the 2000, well, the noughties, oughties, whatever, the last decade. Um, yeah, so uh, Junior Rocks, are, um, sorry, Long Play is a great album. Yes. I was um, tossing up between that and Hello Halo and uh, chose Hello Halo in the end. But How did you discover them? Really brittle, brittle then broken. Okay. Just hearing that single. Um, gotcha. Again, I was just in high school, had wasn't uh, anywhere near record stores, so just was on what, was listening to whatever Triple J was playing, and Triple J was a, a very big support of the the EPs and the first couple of albums. Um, you know, I think the the album before this, uh, Long Player, had it had Lemon Suck on it, which came fifty eight in the hottest one hundred, which is yep. the, the best one hundred songs of the year on Australian radio, international and uh, local. Um, so they were coming into Hello Halo with a bit of groundswell support, and they certainly pushed. Uh, I think Brittle Then Broken Broken wasn't the first single off it. Uh, Peachy King, or Peachy Keen, or Epivescent, maybe, but that was a certainly the one that, as I guess, perhaps an angsty fifteen-year-old I uh, latched onto, and and kind of remembered in retrospect when I was um, kind of digging out records a bit later in my life. Yeah, Long Player actually scored two songs in the Triple J Hot, Hottest 100 1995. Pale Gray Eyes and Lemon Suck were both listed, and they were nominated for Breakthrough Artist Album and Best Alternative Re- Release at the ARIA Music Awards in 1996. So they, like you said, they did have a lot of you know momentum going into this record, which was only released a year after that debut. Yeah, so. and, and I think um, Pale Grey Eye, Eyes was actually from one of the EPs. I don't think it's even on Long Player. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, they, you've got a lot of releases coming in a very short space of time, and probably, uh, I guess, with the festival structure at the time, probably a lot of live just flocking yourself up and down, um, you know, the seaboard of Australia, trying to trying to get your, you know, push your product. So, let's get into talking about the record, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about Hello Halo by Pollyanna. There is some great riffs on this record. Uh, I think the guitar playing is really a highlight. The tones are really great, so it kind of doesn't surprise me that he ended up becoming a uh, guitar tech. Uh, There's a lot of great big guitar sounds, um, both like kind of big open chord sounds, but also like some angular things and riffs that are a little bit more, you know, challenging or rhythmic. Um, but then there's some, some really cool, um, you know, acoustic or even like layered electric, you know, dirty electric stuff. So overall, like sonically, you know, you get a pretty, pretty good, um, meaty, you know, alternative rock, um, sound, you know, I think it's produced really well. I think there's, some really good power pop ish material on here. Um, so mm-hmm. there's some stuff where the tempos, you know, are pretty fast. Um, you hear vocally some things that are reminiscent of maybe like a Bob mold, um, or maybe even like a third eye blind, um, like in the way that he phrases things and approaches it vocally. There's some, you know, some moments where they even go a little further, like, Pulling Teeth gets 
almost musically into like a rocket from the crypt kind of vibe like yeah really really aggressive which i like a lot To me, the highlights are really around, you know, when they're using those big guitars, um, they're bringing, you know, Peachy Keen is a good example of like a vocal that is very, it sounds very confident and the melody sounds very confident. And I think when they bring that type of vocal with, you know, the big guitar approach and the good, you know, really solid production, you know, I think they've got some, some pretty solid power pop on this record so th- that's the highlights for me based on your highlights i want to mention two things one is the producer is paul mckercher who if you look at his resume in the 90s it's basically all the bands we've reviewed falling joys the cruel sea okay. uh spider bait ammonia umi wow. crow rat cat violetine wow <laughs> i mean he had his hand either as a producer for the whole record or for like particular singles uh, for, and then other bands that we've heard of like clouds has come up a couple times. Glide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, there are, there are a lot of bands here. I mean, he was doing multiple albums and singles a year, so he's got a, a pretty big discography uh, throughout the nineties that we've already touched on. Um, and then also, I'm 100% with you. I really liked when this band got aggressive and pushed away from sort of the mid-tempo rock into the, the louder stuff. And Pulling Teeth and Butterman are the two that utilize a ska band called the Porkers on their on their tracks. They are a full Wait, ska band with... What? So- what? What do you... What? They utilize a ska band. What yeah, that's who's playing. That's who's playing horns. It's a sax, trumpet, trombone. Oh. Um, from this from this ska band called the Porkers from Australia. Okay, they, yeah. they put out a, two records in the '90s and, and then a couple in the 2000s. And uh, when I heard those, I go, "Oh, this is this is an interesting take on that style of yeah, you know." And Butterman has that like sort of indie post-punk choppy rhythm thing going on yeah and i really like that
and Pulling Teeth is just, you know, a big guitar riff, very reminiscent of of um, Scream Dracula Scream or uh, earlier era Rocket from the Crypt before they like refine the sound a little bit more. And I, I dug yeah. that. I really like Pulling Teeth. I, it was pretty anonymous to me on the first listen, but when I got the headphones on and could hear the horns coming out and the chorus, mm-hmm. it was, and I liked it. Yeah, I think if anything, I would have liked them to turn the horns up a little bit more. I understand that they're, you know, having them too present then might make it more obvious that they're, you know, different songs and, and having them a little bit more buried in the mix lets them get away with probably playing them live without the horns. But I really dug those songs. I also dug whenever Rake sings back up on like and it's very clear i'm sure she's singing more than i can pick up in in terms of just doing instead of doing just standard harmonies but when she does uh there's like track two frosted over is like this really nice jangle pop song and there's some nice harmonies that she does on that one and then also on cooling your heels i like that with the like the staccato strings that are going on in the chorus and they're not always straight harmonies sometimes they're counter melodies and sometimes they're like echo vocals where she du- doubles the line you know a few seconds after what uh, matt sang so I, I i like when they break their format a little bit and aren't you know they're a good pop indie rock band but when they get a little bit into different territories that's where i dug it like i liked the, the short song um a beginner's guide to underachievement it's a nice little you know short under two minute punk song essentially and i thought that that was a a cool little thing to throw in that didn't overstay its welcome and that's another one too where i think vocally it sounds very confident like this is what i want to do like the vocal's going to drive this it's going to come in right away yep it's really sharp yeah that yeah, is- and, and and that sort of feel that it's it's more what they were doing in long player like long players are very um, I guess it, it doesn't have as many dimensions to it. There's no strings, there's no horns. It's all that more aggressive, straight-up style. Um, so they're trying to move into this album with a little more variety, but it, it sounds like you are kind of resonating more with where they came from where the, rather than where they were going to. What, what, what works best for you on this, Jason? Look, um, I think the singles were really strong. I really like the the. They're the three best songs on the album for me, PG, King, Effervescent, and um, Brittle Then Broken. I do like the guitar, as Jay was saying. I, I do feel, you know, when Matt is working his little finger, playing rhythm and lead at the same time, or just suspensions or whatever, it's, um, I like his ability to kind of make the rhythm, being the single guitar player, make that those lines interesting. I do, as I said, I did like Pulling Teeth, Beginner's Guide to Underachievement. I actually really like Tank, and I didn't expect to like that. But yeah. It, it kind of, it's got that little descending riff to start with, and then it moves into something else about halfway through, and I, I just found that in, a, an interesting arrangement and really liked that.
Yeah, I liked Tank. It almost had like a helmet feel, which with that distorted voice, and it was, you know, in that kind of uh, vein of uh, of post punk, but also a little bit aggressive. And uh, I dug that track a lot. I think I think that's when they work best for me. I think I had a a, a little more trouble with. I think there's some solid tunes that are are mid tempo or slower. I think the only one that works best that works well for me in that range is Brittle and Broken. Um a couple of the other slower songs just they don't have that same they don't have the same quality of melodies and hooks that that song does. Um same with uh, Effervescent is like almost in the super drag range where with what he's doing with his vocal and there's some other tracks that are kind of in that power pop vein but they don't quite have the energy that that track has so i definitely found myself like finding oh this is the one that works that's in this style when they kind of dial it down a little bit away from the of the the real aggressive stuff yeah i'm interested to see what they were thinking in this one because this is the only album where they had u.s management like um that's so uh in the notes um so it was on the previous one wasn't on the next one so were they you know were they trying to get something with a broader appeal or or a stateside push i mean i've, I've seen blogs where people have found this album in like an 88 cent bin in a in a new york cd shop so clearly it got over there at some point whether it was only just a promotional thing or and and kind of faulted in the water there or or not um it I'm had curious to have been to because yeah. it wasn't officially released here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know so, how people got so it. So I, I don't know what their U.S. management was doing, but um, maybe just trying to get a beachhead to, to move over to get a, a deal. But Yeah, maybe. Clearly didn't come to nothing. You know, I was trying to figure out if, oh, maybe they worked with, if they worked with a, a, you know, a U.S. producer or if they did some recording in the United States. But there's nothing really to connect this album in any way to the u.s in terms of like getting some sort of a a a foothold yeah the next album was recorded in memphis uh, with brian paulson who did something for kate elsewhere okay minutes and wilco and beck and things and others so yeah so obviously they're um they did a brief tour in 99 to, to support that third album but they didn't have u.s management so Maybe uh, maybe a couple of tri- uh, a couple of strikes and they were out, but they tried. Well, and I, then I also think, um, isn't that uh, Rake? Didn't she like end up staying in the U.S.? That's right. Yeah, at the end, um, moved to North Carolina. Yeah, Chapel. I think it was Chapel Hill. The uh, if I if I remember correctly from the notes. Yeah. She moved to she moved from Australia to Chapel Hill, which is <laughs> funny enough. Like in terms of post punk indie rock, is probably one of the uh, I would say capitals of the United States. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't end up in another band. At least from what I can tell, there she she did not. I think by 2002 she was starting a family and things, which may have um, gotcha complicated that. So Jay, what doesn't work for you on this record? Uh, I'm not in love with the mid-tempo and slower material. Um, I think 
the reason why is, you know, there'll be there'll be some parts that are compelling, but I don't think vocally, it just sounds droney. Like when he gets in that lower tempo, um, he loses the sharp sort of confident delivery. It becomes a little bit more quieter, whispered. The the choruses aren't yeah aren't really great. You know, and it, so say something like Hilltop Green, you know, it's in kind of this Jim Blossomy kind of space, um, which could be a great, you know, place to be for a hit song in 1997. But the course is just kind of whiny and droney. Like it doesn't really cut through with like a big hook. And I think a lot of the songs that didn't really pop for me, it, it comes down to those choruses. And even in some of the slower stuff where, they can kind of pull off from a just, you know, it it sounds um, at least for the verse or maybe even in the chorus musically sounds strong and compelling, but just vocally, like it doesn't deliver um, for what is what seems like they're wanting to be, you know, more of a pop song. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with I think the heavier, faster guitar based stuff. They just sound in their element, like, you know, and it kind of suits his vocal style much better um, as well. So, yeah, I I just felt like the attempts to kind of, it seems like they were trying to broaden maybe into different styles and some of those um, didn't work necessarily as well as others just because it just didn't close, it just didn't like close the deal on the, on the chorus in a lot of cases. I'm 100% with you. Like the, to me, there was space to do one of those sort of slow mid tempo songs. And the by far the best version of that is Brittle Than Broken. But then they go yeah. back to it a couple more times. And yeah. it just, those just don't have the same arrangement and the same thought in, in terms of developing the, the vocal melodies. They're just very average. I mean, they could have been any band. Whereas yep. a lot of this sounds very original to itself and, and how they play with heavier sounds and combine that with some power pop and, and whatnot and a little jangle pop. So it's on those like lesser tracks where the, you kind of hear the, the songs that probably should have been B-sides or just not recorded because they're... I mean, even though this is not a like time-wise a long record, it's 14 tracks when... Um, you know, yeah, it was fine for CDs. I found the track track count made it feel longer. It did make it feel longer, and I feel like just a couple of those slower tracks were the ones that made it feel longer. Whereas if the if the energy had been less diluted, I would I think it would have worked better. And you get like the first half of the record through brittle then broken, you get a pretty good taste of like what this band's about.
and then you get to Butterman, which is a great riff and I think a strong song. So you're, I'm thinking, oh, wow, I didn't, this is a different, I thought I understood this band and now they're bringing something different, you know, this angular, very aggressive guitar riff. But then you go from there into this second half of the record, which is more ballads and mid-tempo stuff that I think is the weaker material. So um, it becomes a little confusing. (laughs) Yeah. uh, What is this band about? Was this stuff kind of just, like you said, trying to do Brittle Than Broken in a couple different ways, like a piano version and, you know, more of a ballad version or, or what was going on there? Yeah. Is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record, Jason? I'm not a huge fan of cooling your heels. And it's and funnily enough, Tim, it's the echoing lyrics in the verse and oh, the really? staccato staccato strings in the chorus. Um both of those just I feel there's a song in there, but I, I don't like how it's arranged. Um it is I feel like it's a little soft in the first couple of songs. Like I like Peachy Keen, but everything from frosting frosted over to cooling your heels, um, you know, a, a lot of the the meat of this album is is that kind of uh, stretch between epivescent and pulling teeth. So the the middle of the album, um, and yeah, so the, there's there's an album in here, but it's just the the sequencing is a little strange yeah and and it's very and as you said blossett and rat in the ranks some of those uh latter tracks are are a bit anonymous so this did not come out in the u.s jay had it come out in the u.s what would you be your pick for a single i think peachy keen could have worked i mean brittled and broken has a little bit of a a verb pipe kind of vibe to me to me yeah too, that's what i was thinking that kind of stuff you know in the late 90s was pretty much at that point we had transitioned to like a lot of alternative bands were now ballad bands are uh, you know by that point so or slower songs. yeah i mean by 97 uh, you know we're already past like lightning crashes and brick yeah and that yeah. stuff so this could have easily slid in there into that but i think you need a lead single my thought was Evervescence would be the would be the yeah. lead single. That's um, a really strong song too. So Cinnamon Lip was um, actually in the '98 Hottest 100. That came 69, so that was the only one that polled of the of the singles. So of the four that got released, Peachy King, Evervescent, Brittle, Then Broken, and Cinnamon Lip, that was the one that resonated in Australia yeah. at least. And I see that when they did release Evervescence. As a, it was a ten-inch EP as well as a CD single. There's an acoustic version of a couple songs, but then there's also a song called "Hello, Hello Halo" that is not on the record. It's that's interesting. Hmm. And then Peachy Keen has two non-album tracks on its CD single. There's Tw- a version of yeah, sorry, Tim. There's a version of Cinnamon Lips somewhere on one of those B-sides with Reiki doing a verse by herself as the introduction so if you like that if you like her coming in that was uh that could be helpful yeah that was the only thing i was missing i was hoping that she would take a verse somewhere sort of like on Catherine wheels judy staring at the sun like the way that tanya donnelly takes a verse on one of the tracks well there's actually like multiple mixes of that song but i thought that would have been a cool thing to do just to give you a slightly different version didn't happen (laughs) 
and that vinyl of um, that that single is definitely on my Discogs wait list. <laughs> somewhere. We'll see if that emerges. Yeah, good luck with that. I don't see it. A, I don't see it for sale any like currently. So, uh, not a lot of ten-inch singles released in the '90s. Those are hard to track down. Yeah, plenty of Australian singles, but yeah, not so much on vinyl. All right, let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. Were the album better EP, decent single? We'll talk about. We'll get the. We'll get to the poll result results over at Patreon after this which is mostly me i think i i think yes you represent 50 percent of the vote <laughs> uh jay where do you land where the album better ep or decent single i'm gonna go with a better ep because i think it, it would be a great ep not just better like i think it would with peachy keen effervescence a beginner's guide to underachievement brittled and broken i could go either Butterman or Tank, like pick one of those two and pulling teeth. I think you get like a really aggressive but melodic and pop oriented band that leaves you wanting more, like wanting to see where else this band is going to go and um, being intrigued. I think the more the material you hear, you start to realize, oh, they've explored some other spaces and it's not that compelling. Um, so I think, you know, in that EP 30, 30 minute range, um, 20 minute range, I think you get like a really strong presentation of the band and um, it's their best songs. Hmm. I am at, I think I'm at nine songs. So I guess I'm at an album. I guess I'm at a worthy album. I would just make it a much shorter record because I would dump Forgetting How to Feel, Rat in the Ranks. Hilltop Queen, Velos, Velocit, Veloset, and I drop. I think I dropped Cinnamon Lip. That's. I think there's a better power pop <laughs> on that song. I know it's. I like Effervescent better than that. So I'd be at nine songs. So yeah, I'm still at a worthy album for this. Nine nine songs worthy album. Just a much shorter record. Yeah, I'd probably be at eleven. I'd pull it back to about 11 songs. Velocet, Rat in the Ranks out. Cooling Your Heels probably out. And maybe he'll talk green. Okay. That's not as huge a... a I mean, we are only have a difference of like one or two songs. That's not, that's not huge. Like, like the way that Jay has decimated this record. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, uh, I should have got Long Player. I reckon Jay would have liked that. The, I don't know. I think... Album. I, you know, I think Jay liked the, you know, some of the strange turns, though, that this record took. If there's Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're both <laughs> Rocket from the Crypt fans, so to hear a little bit of that sound in this band was definitely perked my ears up, and I was pleasantly surprised to hear that. And then also the, some of the, the heavier, faster stuff that reminded me of, you know, some more aggressive bands. I also dug that, too, so... I don't know if if the if the first album doesn't contain quite as if it's maybe we'll have to check it out. Is it? I don't. Are they on Spotify at all? Not at all. And you know, Mushroom Records isn't a small record label, but right. for whatever reason, they're not streaming 
it's you know it's still a ongoing record label major record label in australia so for whatever reason it's still yeah not out there hmm. maybe one day on YouTube rips. yeah uh i've noticed you know i went back recently and started looking at our old posts from eight ten years ago and there were a lot of instances where we did not have the record on spotify so that we could add it to our post but now it's up on spotify so I've been able to add those. So maybe uh, in a couple years, Mushroom and you know, we'll get their stuff together and get this up there along with. And there's a, quite a few Australian bands that we we don't have access to just because of territorial rights for you know labels and whatnot. So we'll see. But good, Jason. Thanks for hanging out with us on your uh, Monday morning. Hope you uh, have a nice day <laughs> at work. Yeah, work. Work starts in 15 minutes, so good luck to me. Oh, good timing. <laughs> and I want to right, rem- thank you for having me, gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, we didn't we didn't give the poll result. It was 50-50. That was the poll result. <laughs> and mine was the album. Uh, there uh, you full go. disclosure. So, so there you go. So. Some jerk voted for an EP. Jay. <laughs> I, I'm going to blame Darren Leach because he left a comment on the record too, and I don't think he liked it. No, did he? He said, actually, he said, I'll probably get hate mail for this, but I always found Pollyanna a bit boring. Triple J Radio had them on semi regular rotation, but I just found them rather bland. Nothing excited me about them. So I'm going to blame him. Whoa. Well, he's not in Australia anymore, so you can't take that personally, you know, take it up with him. He could have voted for a single. He could have. That's true. Glass half full here. Uh, I want to remind everyone, you can uh, go to digmeoutpodcast.com for all of our links. You can join the union at Patreon through there. You can join the Box newsletter, which delivers all of this information with regards to our releases and our uh, stuff we're tracking as far as new releases, our one minute reviews for movies, books, and albums relevant to this podcast. And then also you can help us rise in the various charts across this planet by leaving some positive feedback at Apple Podcasts. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Dig me out.